0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt Lift Eat podcast, brought to you by Hunt Lift Eat Official. I'm Carter, back again with my favorite co-host, Perry Eisner, the bearded mountain man himself. What's up, Perry? <laughs>
1: Not much, man. It's—I uh, feel like I say this every time because they've been so intermittent here recently, but it's—it's it's been a little while. But pumped for tonight's episode. I was literally just watching uh, some of some of Brett's videos on YouTube with my son. And I had to, I had to cut him short to send him to bed. It was your, it was your red stag, red, red stag hunt man, and he was oh. all. It, it was right before the the end of it, and he was getting all pumped up. But I made him, I made him get to bed. So I'm, uh, I'm stoked <laughs> to talk to you tonight, Brett. Oh, thank you. How old's your boy? Uh he's he's eight, man, and he's he's a uh, he lives for for hunting and everything about it now. So it, it's been fun. Good deal. Raise him <laughs> right. right. Yeah, That's right. Trying.
0: Yeah, so uh, there's our our little segue, our little introduction there. We got Brett Rozelle joining us, the backcountry bowhunter himself. So welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, dude. This has been a long time coming for me, Brett. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but I've been messaging you and bothering you on Instagram since 2018. (laughs) Has it really? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you, I scrolled back through our messages and I sent you this really cheesy message, but I meant it, it was heartfelt at the time. But like you had an antelope hunt back in 2018, that was just brutal. You were boho and you were, uh, you you were in a blind and I think it was hot and miserable and really rainy and it just looked like it sucked. And then, uh, you finally got one in the last like 12 minutes, which is like kind of your thing. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and uh, you like inspired me to like go hunt out West. And I like, sent, I sent you a message and then I went and hunted, um, antelope that fall for the first time. And awesome. Yeah. I was all pumped up about it. Telling you about it. It was cool.
2: Did you, you know get what? one? Yeah. Yeah, we did. It was awesome. Yeah, it was good. good.
0: You were like, heck yeah, man. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. No, I, I, I won't forget that hunt. That was, uh, so that was actually, I extended that hunt two additional days so it was on the last day of an already extended hunt. Um, I was supposed to go home two days before that. And uh, the outfitter, you know, he's, he, kn- he just knew that it was rough because we were basically planning on hunting over water holes. Um And, you know, as soon as we got through, we got through the first night. And, uh, I mean, the outfitter just showed us around. It's kind of a, it wasn't a guided hunt, but he basically just showed us the land and said, have at it basically and had a ground blind set up. And so he was driving us around that evening when we got into camp. And just showing us all the different water holes and where all the blinds were. And we're, you know, dropping pins and stuff. And, uh, I mean, we were, there were antelope at every water hole. And we're thinking, oh, we're going to, like, we're all going to tag out day one, you know. Yeah. And sure enough, it rains that night. You know, we all go to bed and it starts raining. And I'm thinking, oh, great. So we wake up and then we all go set the water holes. And none of us, there was uh, there was four of us. And none of us, none of us even knocked on there. I mean, none of us even flung an arrow, you know. Yeah. And because uh, now they've got water, they can get water anywhere and uh i can't remember how long it lasted but sure enough it was maybe three four days and then the water started drying back up again we thought okay maybe we're gonna get after it and i was so i was spotting in stock and then in the midst of all that so then we started going back on water holes um and then it rained again like it was just you know the weather was just never gonna give you a break and uh so finally i eventually just realized i'm just gonna have to spot and stock and just try to get this done and they end up they all had to get back um i called called my wife and said, hey you care if I stay a couple extra days, like I, I've got to get this done. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I stayed a couple extra days and it was, I was probably, yeah, I'd like to say 12 minutes, but I had a little more time than that. It was probably, I probably had three, four hours left um, of yeah. my hunt. And uh, cause I had enough time to, to clean him and gut him out and all that. But uh, yeah, it was, it was the last day of a two day extension yeah. and uh, sure enough, got it done and, <laughs> and I was pumped. That was my first antelope hunt ever. And, and first antelope. So yeah, it was a good time.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It was fun going back <laughs> through that and you know, re-looking at some of your highlights and I was like, Twenty eighteen, damn dude, like I was a kid and, like time has flown, you know. Yeah, and, I feel like I was here, a kid. Here we are, 2024, like still getting after it. And you've been on a myriad of adventures since then, and I want to get into all that, man. But Brett, why don't you give us a little bit of background kind of about you and you know your, your background in the hunting world and kind of what you're about.
2: Yeah. So, um, I grew up in a family of all boys. Um, it's crazy. We've got literally a family of all boys. So I'm the youngest of three boys. My parents obviously had three boys. I'm the youngest of three. My oldest brother, he has got four boys, no girls, the middle brother. He's got two boys, no girls. And then I've got two boys and no girls. So we are literally a family of all boys. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I mean, just living in the outdoors is what we did. I mean, that's what my my dad did. My grandpa did. Um, I think even my great grandpa did. I never knew him, but I think he even hunted as well. So I think it was just natural that it was, you know, it was inevitable that I was going to hunt as well. Um, so grew up in a family of outdoorsmen um, and absolutely loved it. I mean, that's where, you know, when you're young, obviously you've got that, that, you know, your father's kind of a disciplinarian, you know, but the same token as I started to get older and you know, got to go into college and then move on. That's, I mean, that's kind of where I, my dad's kind of become a best friend, you know, is just, just being in the outdoors and going on hunts. I mean, I started in the waterfowl world, um, you know, and that's where, I mean, Bill Jordan signed my first paycheck, um, in the waterfowl industry. I was producing waterfowl DVDs and I remember I was in college, I was freshman or, yeah, I think it was a freshman in college. And, uh, I remember calling my dad and I'm like, dad, I've got Bill Jordan's autograph, you know, like, and it was in ink, you know, he signed the check. It was in ink. And I'm like, but I've got <laughs> got to get rid of his autograph in order to get my money, you know? So that was uh that was a pretty cool phone call. Um, Cause that my dad's just been extremely supportive um, of everything I've ever done. And he, he paid for the first video camera. And and we had a sponsorship with Fred zinc of zinc calls. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where it all started as far as the, the production standpoint. And, and I did all the editing. I've, I've, that's all I've ever done is I've done all the editing. Um, and I started out behind the camera filming all the stuff. And then we'd kind of rotate and, you know, rotate guys in and out, you know, as far as the blinds and shooting ducks and geese. And then I'd get all the fit- footage back and then I'd start editing it. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I started as far as the production side of things go. Um, and then eventually it transitioned into, to, and I'd always bow hunted, but not to the extent that I do now. Um, and there was a certain point there where I just kind of set down the shotgun and, and picked up the bow and, and I still, I'll still go duck and goose hunt every once in a while. Um, but I'm just ate up with, with bow hunting and I want to bow on everything now. Yeah. So I transitioned out of the waterfowl world and, and really got into the, to the bow hunting side of things and, and haven't looked back since. So that's
1: that, awesome. That, that archery tackle, man, that's a, that's a different beast. I, I got into that later in life myself and man, once you, once you pick up that bow and knock down a couple of animals with it, it's, man, it's addicting. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, just a challenge, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. it's, you know, when you're, when you're young, you know, my boys, the boy, my, my, uh, uh, my oldest one, he's six, he shot his first deer last year with a crossbow and then he shot another one this year and he just, he wants to shoot everything, you know, <laughs> I mean, he just wants to shoot everything. And so I think that's where, I think waterfowl is a good sport, you know, cause you can shoot five a day here in Kansas and, Um, whereas whitetail, you can only shoot, you know, as far as a buck, you can only shoot one buck a year. So if you're, if you're in it for, you know, the sport of wanting to put meat on the table or or just go out and just shoot some things, you know, ducks and geese is a pretty good way to start. And I think that's how I got my start. And, um, and then for me, I, and I, yeah, I look back on this and I know, and I really do, I know when it started, um, you know, waterfowl is more of a, and I, I wouldn't say that deer hunting isn't, there isn't camaraderie in it, but when you're, when you're deer hunting, it's quiet. I mean, you can't be talking to somebody, you know, whereas uh, duck hunting is more of a social sport. So you're out there in the blind and you're cutting it up with several guys and, you know, talking, you know, shooting the shit, whatever. Um, And then uh, I uh, actually got into ministry. Um, I did youth ministry for a year. Then I did senior ministry. And it was when I got into senior ministry, that's when it shifted for me because that job, it it took me around the people and, and I had to constantly be in the lives of people. And I mean, that was my job. I was just a hundred percent involved in the, in the lives of my congregation and just around the people. Um, and it, what it was is it was the solitude of that tree stand that drove me to picking up that bow. Um, cause now I didn't, I didn't need the social, you know, part of life anymore. Cause I got plenty of that in my job and now it was kind of the way to escape the social element of it. And, and to just spend time in the tree stand with God and just reflect on life. And, um, yeah, and I've, I've enjoyed every minute since. So that's, that was the day that I, I, I switched all up and, and wouldn't change a thing.
0: I think a lot of guys can probably resonate with that, man. Like, like for a lot of people may not be able to articulate it all the time, but that's, that's church. That's your yeah. sanctuary, you know, for sure.
2: Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, you get the busyness of life and you can just go out there and it's like you just flip a switch and just, just everything just slows down and, and there's just, yeah, it's, it's not, man, it, you know, and I've had I've had plenty of days where I've had a nice buck on. You know, or we we get to hunt early season here, and they're still in their summer feeding pattern. And I've had several times where I've got a, a real nice buck, and it's like I'd probably shoot him on the last day of season. But it's like I don't I don't want to kill him now. It's like what am I gonna you know what am I gonna do the rest of my time? Like I, it's you know it's it's the hunt that I love, and it's like I said, there's something that just draws me out there and pulls me out to those woods and just sets in that tree stand just in solitude. And it's like man, if I tag out now, what do I? what do I do? You know, like, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And that's, I think that's why I like the challenge of bow hunting too. Cause it is, it is more of a challenge and it makes it harder. You've got to get closer to those animals and, um, and it just keeps you and it's a longer season. Um, so I can hunt longer. And, um, just because of the challenge and the nature of it, it, it takes usually take longer to tag an animal too. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that was what I really fell in love with, with bow hunting. It was, that was, the primary reason I wanted to get into it, one, just to try something new, but really to extend that season, right? And like yeah. I said, I didn't grow up as a bow hunter, but um was like, man, I, I need to take advantage of, of the extra time in the woods. And so I decided to, to make that jump and get into it as an adult. But what I really fell in love with was that, you know, that up close and personal and just all these different experiences that I've had now pursuing primarily whitetail with the bow. But having these close encounters, like you say, with deer that I really have no intention of shooting, but um you know, you you get the occasional close encounter when you got a gun in your hands, but it's right. it's much more forced when you're in an archery setup and it it completely changes the way you attack a property and you attack a, a specific scenario and it's it's uh, that game of cat and mouse becomes a whole lot more intimate. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's it's the challenge. I mean it is, it's it's the hunt and it's trying to pattern an animal on his turf and, and get close, get within that 30 yard mark, you know? Um, and you've got to watch the wind and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to bash rifle hunters by any means. I mean, that's, there's, there's plenty of challenges with all of that. Um, but just for me personally, yeah, there's, there's something about a stick and a string and, and trying to close that gap and, and really pattern that animal and figure him out and, and not, not even just set up within 500 yards of him or 200 yards of him or a hundred yards of him, but try to get within 30 yards of him. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the cat and mouse game going back and forth, and, and they don't get big by being stupid. So, um, you're usually hunting a mature animal that's smart, and, and he knows this game and he's played it before. And um, yeah, more often than not, they usually win. <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm the opposite. Until I get a few more under my belt, that rifle's coming with me. I, uh... <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. yeah. No, I've got a buddy. Well, he's my cameraman. He films most of my hunts, and uh, I, he's I call him an opportunist. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, there's, you know, there's some of these hunts too that I, you know, so I'm getting ready to go to Russia here in April, at the end of April, and go after brown bear. And, um, especially some of those hunts where you spend a lot of money. (sighs) I'm bringing a rifle. (laughs) You you hate to not, you hate to come home empty handed, you know? Um, we went to New Zealand, the hunt that that you were saying you just watched, and my buddy, he, my cameraman, he's, well, now the outfitter, he had a rifle. And, you know, we're talking on the plane flight over there, we had like a, 17 hour plane flight or something, getting over there. And so we're talking and dreaming, you know, whatever. And, uh, he's like, if we see one through drop time, I might shoot him. And I was like, all right, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, of course the outfitter, he's bringing a, a rifle with us anyways, in case I make a bad shot with the bow and you know, he can finish him off or whatever. But, uh, so we're out there in the mountains and it was day two and day two or three, I can't remember, but, uh, it was real, real windy one day. Um, it rained. I, I mean, I, it was, I'd have to watch the film again. I think it was day two or day three, but it was, it wasn't turned out to be as easy as a hunt as I thought it was going to be. Um, and, uh, we kind of just needed a morale booster. And sure enough, we're looking into this Canyon and there was no way that we could have got within bow range before, before nightfall that night. Um, and so we pulled the glass and sure enough, there's one with a nice drop tine. And I looked (laughs) at him, I was like, he's got it because he didn't have a spotter, you know? So I looked at him, I was like, there's one with the drop tine. He's like, nah, I said, yeah. (laughs) And so he pulls up the binos and he's like, I was like, dude, if you want him, let's go. You know, we need a morale booster anyways. So so he lit him up and yeah, that was a good time. He's he's my opportunist, so gotta break the ice. Yep, yeah, absolutely.
0: We uh we Perry got his first antelope this fall. We went back to Wyoming. Okay. There were six six of us and uh a couple of the folks who were in our group had a they had a case of the misses and uh <laughs> missed a couple very easy opportunities day one oh. and i get anxious i get anxious on hunts especially as you get closer to the end i'm like oh my oh, yeah. gosh it's not gonna happen and i just want everybody to tag out and be happy and like have the best time ever right and uh i was like we've got to put one down or else it's just not gonna happen and then i ended up chasing a little dinker on public and put it down and then the ice was broken and then uh then they, everybody started rolling in it was good after that but I'm the opportunist yeah. i get it absolutely they boost morale, <laughs> man there's nothing wrong with that that's right no. that's right that's cool man so how did you decide to start like making this a thing like backcountry bow hunter when did that click
2: um well so i mean it, I, guess, I guess it started when i was real little i remember you know, I don't know if any, any of your audience knows Buck Gardner. He used to make well, – I think he still make duck and goose calls. He's got to be getting old. Um, but I used to watch a lot of Buck Gardner waterfowl DVDs back in the day. And I was – I would have been eight, nine years old, just a young kid. And I remember thinking, man, how cool would it be to, like, be, like, a guest or something on their, on their DVD? You know, like, it would be so cool to be on somebody's waterfowl DVD. Yeah. And uh, so – it uh, fast forward, then I, I, uh, I started an outfitting business when I was in college and I had a buddy who he didn't hunt at all, but he liked video production. And he said, well, what if I go out and I film your clients and then when they're done with their little three day hunt or whatever, I'll put together a little DVD for them, and then I'll sell them the DVD for you know 20 or 30 bucks and then he'll use that money to pay for his video camera. And so then, then, then things just started rolling I'm like, well, shoot, if you're going to be filming the entire season... I said why don't we just take the all of the footage at the end of the year then and then let's compile it onto one DVD and try to market it and sell this thing you know um and so once once the idea i guess once the vision was there for me there was no turning back um to the point to where he ended up bailing on me and decided that he didn't want to do it i guess anymore but i was i was i mean the vision was so clear to me at that point i'm like there's there's no turning back like i'm all in now um, and so that's when I, you know, I was a poor college kid. I didn't have any money at all, and so I didn't have the money to buy a professional camera. And at the time, it was a Canon GL two. It wasn't the widescreen. You can go back on YouTube and watch some old old waterfowl stuff, and it's you know it's the standard screen basically. But um, I think that camera at the time I think was three thousand dollars, which is you know a pretty good investment. I didn't have that kind of money as a college kid. And uh, so um, another good friend of mine, Brad, he uh, he had a relationship with Fred Zinc. And Fred Zink, he took a chance on some kids and said, well, yeah, I'll give you guys some product. It started out as a product sponsorship, and he's going to give us like two or $3,000 in product. And uh, I called my dad up and said, hey, dad, I, Fred's going to sponsor us. And he said, well, Fred will sponsor you. He said, I'll buy your first video camera. And so dad bought the first video camera. Um, and I remember we got a whole box just full of shit. I mean, duck called and hoodies and, you know, everything. Like we we thought we had made it already, you know. And, uh, so that's, that's what started it. And I, I always, I've always enjoyed, um, and I enjoy hearing other people's stories too. I enjoy stories just in general. I enjoy hearing about stories and I also enjoy telling stories, but I've always been that guy too, that, man, I I wish you could have been there. Like, because I've, you know, and, and we've all got our stories, right? We've all been in the woods and we've all seen something that was just incredible. And it's like, man, I wish you could have been there. I wish you could have seen what I saw. I wish you could have saw that buck. Like, no, like when I, when I say he's, you know, not this big, I can't go how big it is, but you know, I'm not telling fish stories here, but when he was this big, I'm telling you, he was legitimately that big. No, he wasn't that big. No, I'm telling you, he was like, so for me, I just, that's, I think that's where the video production thing came in. It's like, if I film it, if I lay it on footage, I've got video proof, like, no, I'm going to show you, like, not only going to tell you about it, but I'm going to show you what I witnessed and what I saw. Um, And so I've always enjoyed that. Um, and then, and then just the editing, I, I fell in love with the editing. It's man. And I'm not saying that I'm anywhere near good at it, or, you know, there's some guys out there that are incredible, um, from a production standpoint, but I, it is an art form without a doubt, um, and be able to cut clips and, and put the music to go with it and, um, and just piece it together to tell the story. It's, it's an art form in and of itself. And like I said, I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I certainly enjoy trying. Um, and so just. Yeah, just producing the videos, um, and then like I said, with with bow hunting, just the uh, the solitude of the tree stand, and and uh, trying to tell a story that, and and I think also too that represents our sport in a good light. Um, mm. You know, there's, you know, I hate to say it, but there are some d bags out there, you know, that uh, don't really do our sport any justice, and and I don't think that that speaks for us as a whole. You know, as far as our our community as a whole. Um, and so, why not try to put some content out there that that paints our our community in a better light? Um, so that way, we don't lose this sport, and hopefully, we have this, and our kids have it, and our kids' as kids have it for a long time to come.
1: Yeah, that. No, that answers questions. that answer your uh, question. yeah, <laughs> that, it, that you're speaking about that art form of it all, and it's been it's been fascinating to see how that's changed over the years because. You yeah. know, when we were growing up, a lot of the a lot of the outdoor television and content, and a lot of those DVDs that you that you mentioned there, you know, it all had a very similar feel, and it was you know mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with that, but it was there wasn't it, it seemed like ultimately it, it was all about the kill shot, or there wasn't a whole lot of that um, storytelling aspect, and really showing right. kind of the other side, and all of the work, and all of the, you know the the labor of love, and and how, you know, passionate we are as, as hunters and outdoorsmen about this sport that we do pursue, you know, it's just about shooting the, the big buck. Right. And to see how that's changed over the years with, um, a lot of the, the, the media production and the content that's out there has been cool to see. And, and I, I think you're absolutely right. It does, it does a, a very valuable service to the hunting community to paint it in the proper light to show that, you know, this is, you know, we're folks that are that are passionate about these critters we chase we have respect for them um you know we're going to utilize the the meat appropriately and properly and and it's not just about um some big antlers on the wall right yeah that's one thing i loved about all
0: your productions in general but especially your new zealand film right <clears throat> the the honesty and transparency is really important when you're telling the story um and you've been in this industry for a long time and I'm sure you've seen plenty of good and I'm sure you've seen plenty of bad and questionable Uh, as someone who's been looking, peeking behind the curtain for two years. It's like, wow, really? That's disappointing. You know Um, with maybe people or individuals, you previously would have been like, yeah, I want to hang out with that guy for sure. Um, And telling that story in a, in a, realistic light is so important. Like, uh, with, with your stag, right. And you, you hit the limb and it and it hit yeah. a little far back, right. How easy would it have been to like edit that out and just, right. you know, boom, I have a 500 inch stag on the ground, like yeah. high five and whooping, jumping around, right. Too easy. And that's happened a million times. Right. But, uh, you showed something which honestly is like the most real, thing anybody who's hunted for a number of years has been in that situation before right it's like the most relatable situation in hunting Mm -hmm. wounding animals happens and it sucks Mm -hmm. every time it's the worst feeling in the world yeah so like why not it's not a it shouldn't be a taboo topic you know and so like i Mm -hmm. so appreciated that side of talking about the art form and that being part of your story that's so important and and powerful
2: yeah no i mean it's it's funny you mentioned that because when I was editing and, you know, and I hate to say it, but it's just the truth. You can, you can edit a a video to tell us a different story. You know, I mean, if you've got enough footage, whatever you can edit to kind of tell whatever story you want. Um, and when I was sitting there editing that stuff, I, I'll, you know, I'll be honest, the temptation was there to want to try to make myself out to be a badass, And I always, I never make bad shots and I could honestly edit my footage to where I never make bad shots. And, because obviously if I did make one, I just wouldn't show it be like, oh, the camera wasn't on him or no, the camera was on him. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it, it hit a limb. I mean, and I could go back and show you the audio and you can. So the cameraman, he was back further than me. So we didn't get to see the limb in his frame. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, it was a 62 yard shot. It was I mean, there's a lot of things that were coming. We were towards towards the tail end of that hunt. I don't know if we had a day or two left, but that rain was going to be turning into snow. Um, and we just we were thinking even that. So that morning we're setting there, man. If this, if we don't get it done today, it's, it's going to be virtually impossible to kill one with a bow. Um, just because the snow is going to be either those mountains are gonna be slick or the snow is gonna be crunchy and good luck trying to spot and stock in this crunchy snow. And then not to mention just you're all, everything's all white, you know, so yeah. you're going to stick out like a dick on a fish. Yeah. Um, so we, there was a lot of pressure on that day. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have changed it or not. Um, you know, I had an, I had an opportunity the day before, I think it was the day before or two days before it was extremely windy and I didn't, I didn't shoot that shot. I had an animal at 50, 55 yards, I think, but it was blowing. I mean, the wind was blowing like crazy all day. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I had an animal, I mean, I, I was good out to, I think I was good out to 90 when I went on that trip. Um, not that you ever want to shoot one at 90, but you know, I'm grouping them you know, in a group like this at 90 yards, I'm pretty comfortable. Um, but it was just so stinking windy. And I'm like, man, if he was at 30, I'd have shot. No question. Yeah. But being out there at 55, the way where the wind was blowing all day that day, I just thought, man, I don't, I don't want to make a bad shot. Like that's the last thing you want to do is make a bad shot. Um, and even on the day when I end up shooting my animal again, I mean, I, I had a hole that I was shooting through about this big and I, again, I keep replaying, you know, like you do, you keep replaying in your head. It's like, man, I, I could have swore I was clear. Like I, I mean, I thought I double checked that hole and I thought I was good. And apparently I wasn't when I let it fly. Sure enough, it hit a limb and it swerved off to the right. And I can still just see it right in my mind bigger in life today. Um, it went off to the right and hit him in the back, back hind quarters there and kind of got into back backside of his guts. And Yeah. And now it's like, oh shit, now we got to run down the mountains and try to, you know, hope this sucker bellies up somewhere or dies somewhere. Or You know, those suckers can hold it. Um, Luckily we found him in some, in some brush down below. Now that's where I did end up cutting the footage. Um, You know, and this is where, you know, this is me just being completely transparent. No one knows this except the three guys that were on the mountains that day. Um, So that animal ends up getting up and his guts were just hanging out. Mm. And it, it was, it was, there wasn't a single one of us that felt good about what was going on that day. Right. Um, and, and again, that's just, that's just the respect that you have for the animal. Like, I don't care who you are. I have never come across a hunter yet that enjoys seeing an animal suffer. Like it's, it's not fun. It's, it's just not. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. That's why we wanted to get down there on that animal as fast as possible and, and probably even put our own lives at risk, you know, hauling ass down there as fast as we did. Um, because we wanted to hurry up and put a follow-up shot on that animal and get a lethal shot on him, so he would expire quick. Um, but yeah, now that's that's where I didn't show, because because inevitably you're going to have people with PETA, and I already get you know playing. You can go look at my buffalo film and see all the hatred I get for my buffalo hunt. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's there are some things I think that I don't you know, and, and everybody's going to draw that line in different places, but I didn't feel comfortable showing the footage of the animal actually getting up out of his bed because um, it it just wasn't. I do not i d I don't I don't I don't want to see it again, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, like sure. I said, his guts were hanging out and it wasn't the best. Um uh, but we did get an arrow in him and then he expired pretty quickly after that and you know, then we're good, thank God. But yeah. Um that is, I mean that's the that's the downside of of making bad shots, and that's why we try to, you know, minimize those as much as possible with practice and shooting constantly and but it's it's inevitable. If you do it enough times, if you hunt enough, you're you know, even Michael Jordan missed shots, you know. So I don't care who you are in the industry. I don't care if you're Cameron Haynes or Michael Waddell or Jim Shockey or whoever you are, you're, you're going to make a bad shot at times or it's, or just, or just shit's going to happen. You know, the wind's going to deflect it. uh, You know, a limb's going to deflect it. Something's going to happen. The animal's just going to move. That's just the nature of what we're dealing with. So. Yeah, man,
0: it happens. Happened to me at Perry's farm over winter break in December It was the worst. Just over a a white-tailed doe, and it's just the worst feeling in the world. But you think, like, I'm steady. I'm set. I wouldn't have pulled the trigger if I wasn't. And uh, just didn't go the way you you wanted it to. And uh, it happens, Mm -hmm. man. But I appreciated that about that. And I'm glad you got one. That thing's a freaking monster when you said 500. Yeah,
2: he's he's, he's actually on the wall behind me in the the thing room right now. So That's insane. That's the craziest animal I've ever seen. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, five hundred and one is what he went. So he actually had a big time that he broke off, Um, but the outfitter had found that a couple of days before we got there, and, uh, and what's that? Did he give it to you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. No, he, that's what he said. He said if you shoot this one, he said you can have this. Oh cool. And that, yeah, so lo and behold, that's the one that I end up shooting. So like yeah, that it was pretty cool. Is it's a it's a third main beam that comes off on the inside of his tines. Yeah, it's it's pretty stinking cool. Yeah, it's like it's like a big club. Yeah. Just a real cool animal. Oh,
0: that's so cool, man. Yeah. Did it feel like it looked like it? Did it feel like Lord of the Rings, like you were in a different world, a different so, universe? Sure. So
2: yeah. So, no. So, it's funny you say that. So, and we, there's, so we were on the South Island is where we were at. And I, they told us, I forgot though. Um We weren't. So, they asked us if we wanted to go see it when it was snowing the, the last couple of days we were there. So, they have a place. So, they filmed Lord of the Rings on that island. Um, and there was a guy that, and I may botch this up. So, you know, it'll be close. The story's gonna be somewhat close. Not if fact I remember, checkers right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can, you can fact check it. Um, get the Facebook fact checkers. If you're going to get anybody, um, they do a great, great job. <laughs> Sarcasm there. But, uh, so there was a guy that owned some land there and they built like a Hobbitsville or something. This was like part of the, this was like in the movie. And from my understanding, after they did like the first movie or the second movie or something they tore all this down well then they ended up building the set because the guy wanted them to tear it down well then i think somebody else came in there and bought the land or something they came in and did another film and then made it to the whole set again well he told him he said the the one condition is i want you to leave the set up like i don't want you guys to tear this down and so they left the set up and now he uses it like a tourist attraction and so you can pay to go see hobbitsville or whatever um, oh, it's but as far as the country, yeah. There's a reason they filmed Lord of the Rings over there. Like, it's dude, it was gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous.
0: Yeah, it just looked so wild.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, it's 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 amazing. Well, and then too, on the way to where we were going for the lodge, where the lodge was when they picked us up at the airport, um, I didn't I didn't know this. They had the uh, the world where the world's first bungee jump ever started. <laughs> you drive right by it. So it's it's overhanging a river, and I said I'm definitely doing that on the way back. And, uh, cause you know, our, our guide was showing us and telling us all this stuff and he, you know, he's lived there his whole life. So he knows everything about the area and, uh, yeah, Sean, great dude. Um, yeah, great guy. And, uh, I told him, I'm definitely doing that on the way back. Well, so we finished the hunt, stayed there for a couple of days and then they took us back to the airport and, uh, I, I go in there and, um, they were booked solid though for the day. Oh so, man. Yeah. And I wasn't going to wait around and, and try to catch the plane. You tried to catch lane, late plane flight, you know, so I didn't get to do it unfortunately but I'll be back some Lord willing I'll be back and and I'll definitely do it for sure.
0: That's so cool man.
2: Out of the pile of adventures that you've been on, right?
0: Your <clears throat> your moose hunt and you chase whitetail and mule deer and buffalo and stag and everything you've done man, what do you, you know, what's your do you have a top? Um you know,
2: it's funny I you know, I I thought this question might come up. I'm always looking forward to the next one. Um, (laughs) So, right. I mean, all I can think about right now is Russia Brown bear. Um, That's so Brown bear to bow hunter. Brown bear has been number one on my bucket list since I can remember. Like I'm, I don't know how old I was, but I remember seeing that first picture where they're holding the big paw up, you know, and I'm like, I got to do that someday. Like, I I don't know how, like as a kid, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen, but I've got to do that at some point in my life. I've got to knock that one off, you know? Um, so right now I'm, I am, and, and there's a little, you know, the wife's a little bit worried too, just because of the, the war that's going on with Russia and Ukraine. Um, so I booked that hunt two years ago, literally two months after I booked the hunt, um, and pay my $10,000 deposit, um, the war breaks out and I'm like, Oh, great. So this is awesome. You know, what's this look like now? So, so we've waited and we've waited a couple of years now and, now the war is still going on. Um, and we're constantly in communications with the guys over there. And from my understanding, you know, they can get us in and out safely. So <laughs> so we're gonna roll the dice and see what happens. So yeah, my, my wife, she's like, Well, of course she's gonna of course he's gonna tell you it's safe because he just wants your money, you know? He wants the remainder of your money. So I'm like, oh babe, it'll be good. It'll be fine. Like, that's part of the adventure, right? So right, at first she was yeah. At first she was just worried about the animal that I'm going after. And now she's, now she's more worried about the location of the animal, not to mention the animal that I'm after. So yeah, we're gonna have the, the Garmin hooked up and and satellite and all that. And, and I'm going to have to be sending her messages every night just so she can sleep, you know? Yeah. 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 As far as I guess, other than that one, um, and I'm, man, I'm dude, I can't tell you how excited I am about that one. Um, Hmm. You know, the antelope hunt was a good one. Any hunt, I mean, you know, I had a hunt a couple years ago that, uh, you can watch the film called the blind eye buck. Um, he wasn't a giant deer. Um, and again, that's, that's, I'm all, I'm going after a mature animal. That's what I want to kill is a mature animal for sure. But sometimes the mature animal isn't always a giant as far as the right. rat goes, you know, and he wasn't a giant by any means. Um, but just the hunt, the hunt for that critter was, dude, it was a blast. Um, just the cat and mouse game that went back and forth. And like, I was convinced that that deer, I mean, there's no doubt he knew that I was there and he knew I was hunting him. Um, but man, you just have to wonder, does this sucker have me patterned? Like, I think he's watching me walk in and walk out and he knows it. And so it was that that's fun. I mean, anytime that there's a challenge, um, and, obviously the best ones are when you overcome the adversity and you end up winning in the end, you know? Um, yep. and so that one, I succeeded. And and so that made that one a lot of fun. The biggest buck I ever shot. Um, I hunted him for three years. I had 70, I've got it all documented on my, I've got a notepad that I keep and I hunted him like 77 sets the first year, 74, I think the next year and didn't, didn't even punch a tag. Cause I was just pigeonholed. I'm zoned in on that deer. Um, and then the third year that I was after him, lo and behold, I kill him out on day one. (laughs) So that was, you know, it was a short hunt, but it wasn't, you know, because I hunted him for three years. Yeah. So that was, that was a cool one. Um, like I said, I, it's, it's the ones where there, it's just an extremes and you guys, you guys know the deal. Like when you work your ass off and you hunt hard and, and then sure enough, it all comes together on that last day. There's, there's nothing better. You know, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, dude.
0: I don't want to pump your tires, but you work your ass off for all your hunts. Like you, dude, you, you put it in and it's so clear and so evident and you're humble about it and not like in your face about it, but you are in, you're in the field, right? You, You will out hunt and out work just about anybody I've seen on any sort of hunting platform. You put in the time like nobody else and you're selective with the deer you want to take and like, um, you know, the the hearing your dichotomy talk through like that, you know, this is a this would be a good buck for my son, or like this is the buck my wife wants to go off. Go go for like, you know, hey, I'm trying to get my dad this buck and you're waiting for the right one and like you said, willing to just not punch a tag until you see that right one. And like I said earlier, man, <clears throat> you have a tendency to just you you will fill that tag in the at the buzzer beater. That's like Kind of your move. What I've noticed in a lot of these hunts, man, because you have the patience, and that's something I would love to work on. I, I get so worried I'm not going to fill that
2: tag, and just relax and enjoy the hunt. Right? It's, it's okay if it doesn't yeah. work out. Well, and and see, and that's the thing. You know, you you say work, and and I get it to some because there. Are, don't get me wrong. There are days where you know I'm cussing, I'm mad, and you know whatever. Um, But at the end, like at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy it, don't go. You know what I'm saying? Like for sure. So, so yes, there is, there's, you know, I'm not going to say there's not a grind at times. Um, I just, I just enjoy it. Like I just, I just genuinely do. I, I genuinely enjoy the shit out of it. Um, you know, we went on an axis deer hunt. Oh, this would have been what, three or four years ago. And, uh, it was a, it was a low fence hunt down in Texas and the guy had 30, I don't know. I don't know how big it was a massive ranch, 15,000 acre. I don't know. It was big, like so much that you're not going to cover it all. There's no way. Um, but, uh, down there we could, we could use a rifle too. We could use a bow or a rifle and my cameraman's down there. And again, my, I got my opportunist cameraman, you know, Josh, he's down there with me and good dude. He's, he's a good friend. You can ask for a better buddy. And, uh, so we're down there and it was getting towards the last couple of days and the outfitter left his rifle with us just in case I changed my mind. And, uh, and 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 truth be told, we kind of we kind of got into it a little bit, me and my cameraman, and uh, that it definitely pushed our limits of our of our friendship because he's he's just wanting me to kill an animal. He's the opportunist, Brett. right? He just wants me. He's like, dude, Brett, like you know we could kill, like we could have shot one every day with a rifle every day, and and I'm talking giants <laughs> every day with a rifle, and so and he's wanting to and he's wanting to film something die, you know, he's just wanting to film a giant animal go down, whatever, and and we're wanting to eat it, thing to eat the thing too, because. I've heard the Axis deer are phenomenal and I've never had one. I all I hear about is how good they taste. And so he's just wanting me to put one down. And uh and so we kind of got into it and and we threw the rifle in the truck and drove out the next morning, and and then I I just I didn't I didn't want to. I didn't I didn't want to take it. Like, cause and, and again, I'm not I don't this doesn't make me better than anybody. It doesn't like at the end of the day, you should hunt the way you want to hunt, the way you enjoy to hunt. And you should shoot whatever makes you happy. I don't care if it's a spike, if it's a giant. You know, I had a I had a kid, a neighbor on a, we own some land here, and, and one of the neighbor kids shot a deer and he came over onto us and uh, it was funny because before that season started, he came up to the house and knocked on the door. We just built our house and he came up here and, and knocked and asked if he could hunt the land. And I said, sorry, man. He, I think he kind of knew, <laughs> you know, but he thought he'd, he thought he'd ask. Yeah. And uh, so I said, sorry, man, I, I kind of hunt too. You know, he's like, yeah, I knew." <laughs> so, but I said, well, come on in. And, and I said, I'll show you some trail cams. And, and so I showed him some trail cam pictures. I said, well, as long as we can get on the same page, I said, so that way we know what deer are mature and what deer are not mature. And that way, hopefully we can try to shoot mature animals and let the little ones grow. And uh, so I showed him all the trail cam pictures and and told him, hey, if you see this one, dude, shoot him. He's he's going to five-year-old, you know, light him up, you know. Um, Well, one of the deer was a three-year-old future stud, you know. And uh, I said, don't shoot this deer, you know, because he's only three. And and if this deer gets two more years, he's going to be a giant. Like, so... um, he ended up shooting, he ended up shooting a deer. Don't know which deer it is yet. And, uh, he's, he's talking to me on the phone cause he ran over on my place and he's you know, and I told him, I said, if you shoot one, he runs over on me, give me a call. You know, we'll hop on the side by side. I'll go down there. I'll help you find him. And so he calls me and, and he's telling me about the deer and, and he's, and I'm like, ah, nine pointer, nine pointer. I keep thinking he, cause he told me he's a big deer. He's always like, oh, a big deer, big deer. So I'm like, what big deer do I have? It's a nine pointer, you know? And I'm like, the only nine I can think of is that three year old. I'm like, surely he didn't shoot him, you know? And uh, so, sure enough, he comes over, and uh, I said, "Well, come on over to the house." And he comes over. We pull up the trail cameras, and I'm going through trail cameras, and I'm like, "Is this? Is this the deer?" He's like, yeah, that's him. That's him. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, that's the three year old," you know? But this—he's high. I mean, he was—I don't know—he's probably 16 years old. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and pop that kid's bubble. You know, he's freaking on cloud nine, and in his in his perspective and his deer hunting career, this is the biggest deer he's ever shot. Giant. Yep. I yeah. get it. And so, so I'm, I had to, I had to have a quick little moment inside myself of just like, dude, I can't, I can't kill this guy's energy and just, you know, just burst his bubble. And so I just looked at him. I said, was your, was your heart pounding when he came in? He said, Oh yeah. And I said, that's all that matters, man. And so, so we went down there and we tried to find him and we ended up not finding They end up finding him up a couple of weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like that's, that's what this sport should be for any of us and all of us like do whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Um, and if you're doing it for any other reasons, then, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons and you should stop whether you're hunting with a bow or you're hunting with a rifle or you're hunting too much or you're, you know, um, or you're hunting for the, for the gram, you're doing it for the Instagram and trying to be a poser or I don't what you know, whatever, like, Just do what you love to do, and like that's that's the American dream, you know. Do what you love to do, and who cares what anybody else thinks? So for me, I don't I don't care. I mean, obviously, I want to feel a tag, but I'm going to do what I enjoy doing. I'm not going to do it for anybody else, or to try to please anybody else, or to try to lay down footage. Or I mean, obviously, I try to lay down footage, but if I don't happen to kill an animal every year, oh well. I'm you know, I'm still enjoying it. And at the end of the day, that's what it should be: is fun and fun for all of us. So. Yeah, I don't know. There's my rant. <laughs> oh,
1: what do you think about that, Perry? Dude, one of the one of the most common questions I get from my son because, like I said, he's just ate up with watching hunting shows, and you know, I took him with me. Well, more days this year than I had previously, and I, I try to get him out there with me as much as I can. And and he's just at that age where it's getting really fun to introduce him to the sport, right? And just yeah. he's you know, and I, I want to foster that that love and that passion as much as I possibly can. Right. But one of his favorite questions to ask me is, you know, we'll be, we'll be watching some show or, or, you know, hell, see some deer on the side of the road, you know, and he'd be like, dad, and it's a deer that I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't even consider shooting at this point because I, you know, the same way as you, man, I've, I've, I've killed plenty of animals. And when it comes to whitetail, especially on my, on my home properties, I'm, I'm after mature bucks. That's what we're targeting yeah. on our family farm. You know, that's the goal is we want to, you know, we want to foster that mature age class, and that's what I'm trying to to pursue. But for him, he's like, "Dad, would you shoot that deer?" I'm like, "No, nah, I wouldn't shoot that deer." He's like, "But if that was my first deer, would you <laughs> want me to shoot it?" I'm like, right? "Dude, if you see that yeah. deer and it gets your heart pounding, yeah, and you you know, you get the shakes, you get that buck fever, and yeah. you get excited." I'm like, "Man, I'm going to tell you to pull the trigger every single time. I don't care what yeah. it is." You know, I I was I was you know one of those fortunate. I I killed a I killed a nice deer on the last day of my first season as a kid, and it wound up being a nine pointer. My first deer ever, first time I ever pulled the trigger on an animal other than a squirrel or a rabbit, and and killed a nice nine pointer. And then I I went literally over a decade without killing another buck, and. That I realized like, you know, because I was being patient, but that doesn't happen. Everybody, you you know, you don't, your your first deer is not always going to be a nice one, but you know, if I told him, I was like, buddy, if you, if you kill a dink or if you kill a tank, I'm going to be just as thrilled. And I promise you, I will be more excited than you will. So if it gets, if it gets that heart pounded, man, take the shot and I'll be pumped for you. Yeah. Well, seeing it's so you said your boy's eight. Yeah. Yeah. He's eight
2: yeah so like and 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 what I've noticed with my son now he's been fortunate enough he's he's killed a couple pretty decent bucks um but uh it's only because his dad is you know <laughs> we, we've got access to some decent land I guess yeah. um, he doesn't know how lucky he is I don't think but uh at the end of the day I've noticed too I, I, he did, this year I realized he doesn't care he just he just wanted to put an arrow in something. Yeah. and we hunted hard. He, he went 18 sets this year. So I hunted, I took him out first. I took my wife out second before I even went out for myself. And, uh, but again, I just enjoyed being out. I didn't just, I enjoy hunting, like having, and I've got another little one that's one and he'll be, he'll be wanting to shoot stuff too when he gets older. So that will just, it, it extends the hunt even more for me. Right. You know, even though I'm not the one pulling the trigger, I'm still trying to hunt the animal and try to put them in a place to kill it, you know, but, uh, this year, so last year he shot it on day one. We went out youth season. They're still in full velvet, still in their summer patterns. Like it was, it was a done deal. We had a great spot. Had like sixteen different bucks that were all eight points or bigger in this one spot. And yeah, so, it's, like, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was gonna happen. Like it was, if we didn't, if he didn't screw it up, it was gonna happen. And uh, so he shot, shot it day one. And he, of course, this is how he thinks deer hunting goes. You just always kill it on day one. It's like no, that's that's not how it works, buddy. <laughs> no. So then fast forward to this year, then, um, he wanted to, cause he sees all my deer on the wall and that apparently a testosterone starts when you're like six years old, apparently. And you know, you feel like you got to compete with your old man now. Yep. And so he sees all these deer on the wall and none well, I've, I've got one deer that's in velvet. I shot up in North Dakota years ago, but that's the only velvet deer I've got. And so he's got a velvet buck, but he sees all the dad's deer that are hard horn and he wants to shoot a deer in hard horn. And I'm like, but buddy, like. I don't, I don't think you understand first off, like you've got an opportunity to shoot quite a few deer in velvet. Like I'd take advantage of that if I were you personally. Um, <laughs> but then second, like when they lose that velvet son, they, they're harder to hunt. Like they get smarter, you know? And he does, of course he doesn't get that yet. He just wants to shoot one. It's in hard horn. Well, we go out in youth season and, and, uh, and I, you know, I was, I was shocked to see how patient he was as a six year old. Um, and he he really there was a deer we were after called Caveman. We like to name all of our deer, and he named this one because we we cut out some trees and it was he called it a cave. So that's how this deer got its name. It was at the blind where we, where we hunt the Caveman. So, um, so we were after cave. That's the deer he really wanted to shoot, and we had a shot. We had a chance. He was in front of us twenty yards broadside, and he was probably there for five minutes, but he was facing us the whole time. And we've talked about the frontal shot, but we've never executed it just because our our target doesn't offer the frontal shot you know you're hitting like some wood or something and you can't pull the arrow out so we've never actually shot the frontal shot on a target and uh so we were whispering in the blind you know and i'm like and he knows where to shoot but i just i don't know and so we end up not doing it that night and then the deer walked off and he was so bummed and i, I i've got the I'm, I'm editing his hunt right now even and uh i posted it on instagram and he was, dude, he was so down in the dumps. Like he was so bummed. And that was, that would have been like set number 16 or 15 or six. I don't know. It was up there. And uh finally the next day I, I asked him, I said, what do you, what do you want to do, buddy? You want to shoot a doe? Cause we've got spots where we can go where there's plenty of does, you know, we can just go whack a doe. If you want to go whack a doe. And he's like, no dad, I, I want I I still want to kill a buck. And I was like, all right. You know, so we went out that night and uh didn't have a good shooter come in. Um, and I, I'd had this other spot that I had this three-year-old, nice nine. We're calling the gnarly nine is what we called him. And this deer had stupid mass on his right side. I mean, I've, I'll be honest. I've never seen a deer with this much mass on his right side. Um, but he's a, so he, no, I guess he would have been a four-year-old. He was a three-year-old last year. So he's a four-year-old. And I told the wife, I said, that deer's off, that deer's off limits. We're not shooting that deer. Like it's just, <laughs> it's not happening. We're not shooting that deer. And, uh, cause, cause that mass is going to be crazy, like stupid crazy. I mean, it, it's like all It's crazy. And, uh, but he, this deer was showing up every single day, broad daylight, every single day. Um, and not only was he showing up, there were several other younger eight pointers, you know, nice, nice, eight, a great, a phenomenal deer for a six-year-old kid. And so finally, I'm just like, I can, I can see my boy was starting to, get bummed and depression was starting to set in. And, and so I, I didn't want him to get burnt out on it, you know? Um, so I'm like, you know what? I just need to take him into a spot where we can kill a buck. Like it's not <laughs> about killing a big buck now. Now it's just about just killing a buck. And so I told the wife, I said, I'm, I think I'm going to take him into the, and I'm not going to say the name of the guy cause then it'll wind up getting leased up like my last place did. Um, <laughs> but there's this gentleman that lets us hunt his land and, uh, and so I said, I'm going to take him into the so-and-so's place. And she's like, You're going to take him in there? And she's like, Well, what if what if the gnarly nine walks out? And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just going to pray to God that he doesn't be the first deer in. Like, surely we can get an eight pointer to show up before the gnarly nine walks in. Yeah. And lo and behold, guess which freaking deer walks in? First deer in oh, the field. Gnarly. That's oh, an amazing. The gnarly nine. And I'm just like, oh. And I'm like, Lord, please, you know, I just. Let, let another little eight pointer like hurry up and come in before, you know, no, no, he was the one. And, and uh, of course my boy, he's just, dad, that's a buck. And I'm like, how yep. do you tell him? No? How no. do you tell him? No, you know? So I just had to throw all of my, my deer management out the window and just be like, all right, the gnarly nine is dying tonight. <laughs> yep. so That's the deer he shot and he was pumped and, and ended up, we still had a tracking job though because he shot him a little bit back and then we ended up having to get a dog in there and we end up finding him, but, uh. You know, at the end of the day, I and I still have to remind myself too, especially with kids now. It's like I'm, it's like I'm relearning some of these things. And
1: mm.
2: you know, sometimes it's not always about killing the biggest deer. Sometimes it's just about having fun and letting your boy just shoot a buck. Yeah. And who cares whether it's a giant, whether it's a five year old or a six year old or a two year old? You know, it, at the end of the day, it should be about having fun. And whatever you have to do to just have fun, then do that. Well,
1: yeah. you. You mentioned how how you know your your relationship with your father is has transitioned over time, and now you know that, consider him your best friend. And you, if you think back, or if you think forward, excuse me, you know twenty years from now, oh yeah, and and your son becomes a lifelong passionate hunter, and you guys are, are sharing memories and adventures together for the next few decades. Like you know, you're not gonna, you're never gonna look back and wish that you had let the gnarly knot yeah. grow another year. Um, if you, if you're able to foster that and, and, you know, and, and grow that seed with the, with the young child, man, that's, that's so, that's so crucial. And it's such a good point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, well, at the end of the day, you know, so, so I shot, I actually shot a giant several years ago and you can watch it on YouTube. Um, biggest deer of my life. He was, he was in the mid nineties before he broke 10 inches off. He was still in the mid eighties when I shot him. Um, and so I haven't told a lot of people this, but, um, my wife knows obviously, but I was so tore up over this deer. This is, this is not, I've got the medication to prove it. I developed a condition (laughs) called ulcerative colitis. Um, and basically it, it makes you poop very often. Um, but, uh, I was, I mean, I was pooping blood for, I was pooping blood solid for a month before I finally went to a doctor and ended up getting checked out. But I, I I didn't, I say I made a bad shot. It, the shot wasn't good. The animal ended up taking a step forward right as I was releasing. And so it was just the animal moving. My shot placement was perfect. It was right where I was aiming and it was, you know, had the deer not taken a step forward. It was a perfect shot. Um, but again, things happen, and the animal took a step forward and it is what it is. It hit him in the back. He was, quarter, he was already quartering away anyways. Um, and I was just so tore up over that deer that I end up getting this condition that the doctors tell me that I'll be stuck with for the rest of my life now. Um, and it's absolutely affected my life. I mean, it's completely changed my diet the things that I can eat and the things that I can't eat. And I will say the one thing that God taught me out of that whole lesson was even though it was a giant, I mean, a giant deer, it's still just a deer yeah. at the end of the day. It's just a stupid deer. And you can't let those things ruin your life. You can't let those things ruin your health. You can't let those things ruin your relationships with your buddies. You can't let those things ruin your relationships with other people. Like it's, you know, as much respect as we have for the animals, there's also a limit to in which you've got to, you've got to set priorities too. And and you know I see I see guy man I look I get on social media and just some people will just just the hatred that can be out there, man over deer. And at it, it sometimes too. We just, as like I said, as much respect as you can have for the animal at the same token, there's also a perspective too. It's just a freaking deer, man. Chill. Like yeah. who cares whether it was a two year old or a three year old. It's just a freaking deer. Like let's not burn bridges over an animal for crying out loud. But yet I see people do it all the time. and And there's a, I've got a good friend. He's an outfitter. And this is, this is so stupid, man. Like, like I said, there's a, there's a handful of D bags out there, but there's these two guys, they're big duck hunting outfitters. And uh, they've got, uh, it's kind of funny to hear the stories, but uh, there's just, and these are grown men. These are, and I mean, I like to think I'm a grown man, although I act like a kid sometimes still, but um these are guys that they're in their fifties and sixties. Probably they're, they're in their sixties. They're gonna be like mid-sixties, okay? We're talking about old ass men, right? <laughs> and these guys have been in a feud like their whole life, so much so that one guy's got like air cannons shooting towards the direction of the other guy's oh, property to scare the ducks off. No like, way. And Same. so there's so oh, there's so much bitterness and so much anger and, and it's like you guys are used like They're just freaking ducks, man. Yeah. They're freaking ducks. And yet they're letting these animals and this and ruin their relationship and, and causes bitterness and selfishness and jealousy and all kinds of horrible thoughts and negative energy into their life. And it's like, there's this is no way to live. This is no freaking way to live whatsoever over a stupid animal. Yeah. So, yeah, at the end of the day man, you've got to keep it fun. That's, that's the most important thing. Just keep it fun. I don't care if you shoot a two-year-old or a three, whatever, just make sure it's fun. That's all that matters.
0: Yeah. I took my, uh, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old, both girls. So I'm the opposite of you, Brett, but, uh, oh, I, took, awesome. I took my three-year-old for her first sit this year in the ground blind to manage movement. And, uh, Man, she took my Windicator and dumped it all out on the ground. And yeah. I, brought, I was smart. I brought a pack of stickers and like a coloring book down. And we put, we decorated dinosaur stickers all over the inside of the ground yeah. line. And she just wailed on my grunt call for two hours and just like had a blast, man. It was, it was the best. I didn't even bring yeah. a rifle, right? I was just like, <laughs> I know how this is going to pan out. It was like the best four hours of my life. And she, she sat the entire time, right? She was just, yeah keep her keep her entertained and she was like all about it and uh, and then you know last 10 minutes i I knew we weren't going to see anything and then last 10 minutes they just started piling in to the to the field and then she's like give me my give me your binoculars give me your binoculars right and she was looking at them the wrong way around you know what i mean like just see and she's like i see him i see him and i was like ah like life is so good man like oh yeah it was the best thing ever. So, like, I think that's a really important message, man. Sometimes people covet deer yeah. or whatever the animal is so badly, it yeah. uh, it leads to bitterness and 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 hatred and and just gross interactions yeah. between people. And I think that's an important message. Like you said, take a step back, and if it's not fun, like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. It's yeah. A great perspective.
1: Introducing kids is a, is a great way to have that have that constant reminder because like you you see the just the pure enjoyment especially with kids yeah. that are passionate about it like like it sounds like all of ours are and like it's just such a reminder okay take a step back let's get out of yeah. our own way not be so serious about this and you know appreciate what we're all out here to do right like it's just live in the moment that's yeah. that's what it's all about
2: yeah. Well, making those memories and having those relationships with your kids, you know, I mean, and not just your kids, but your friends, your, I mean, just everybody. I mean, that's the camaraderie of the sport. Like I said, if, if it's not fun, then don't do it. If you're, if you got bitterness and jealousy, then you're in the wrong place. Then like, I don't care what you're in life, whether it's a business and money and whatever yeah. you're in, if you got some bitterness or then you're, you're in the wrong place and you need to find something else. Yep.
0: <clears throat> For sure, man. I'm looking at our time here, Brett. We've already crushed an hour, dude, and we haven't even gotten to talk about anything I wanted to talk about. we have just been swapping hunting stories, man. That flew. Um, can I do a hard pivot real quick? Sure. <clears throat> I want to talk about goat gear real oh, quick. Oh, me
1: too, man. I, I've yeah. been dying. I've been dying to breach it because I was looking <laughs> at some of the stuff that you've been putting out there. We got to talk
0: about goat gear. It we, looks awesome. Yeah, tell us about tell us about goat gear. Give us some context.
2: Yeah. Um, you want to know how it started or start again? Or I want to know it all. <laughs> yeah. turn have turned this into two parts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can do that too. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, man, I, uh, I'm going to be a little emotional. I don't even know why I'm getting emotional here. Um, I'm, I'm just very humbled. Um, God has just been crazy good in my life. Um, the things that i've got to do the things that i've um i don't deserve half of what i don't deserve any of what i've got first off but i sure in hell don't deserve half of what i've got um and the fact that i now have the opportunity to to do this is is just humbling it's just a huge blessing and god's been amazing um i don't know what he's going to do with it i hope i hope it sells cuz the bank account's getting kind of low but uh um yeah so i uh you know I've just always had dreams as a kid. I've just, I don't know. I I don't know if I dream more than other people. I don't, you know, I don't know. I just know that I've always had, I've always been a dreamer. I've always had dreams and I've always wanted to do things. And, and man, God's been good. And has allowed me to just start knocking some of these things off my list. Um, And as crazy as it sounds, I always thought it would be cool to design my own camouflage. I didn't, I didn't really think so much about clothing when I was younger, but I always thought, man, it'd be cool to design my own camouflage pattern. Like that'd be cool. You know, I thought that'd be cool. And, uh, fast forward now and I'm, I'm 38. And, uh, so it would have been almost two years ago when this endeavor started. But, uh, in the hunting industry, I, this is how it all started. I had a a company reach out to me and they are a company and I'm not going to use their name. I think they're a good company. I don't have anything bad to say about them, but, um, they, uh, they reached out to me and they wanted me to wear their camouflage patterns. So they are a company that designs a lot of camouflage patterns and they wanted me to wear some of their camouflage patterns and they do similar to what Realtree does. They license their patterns out to other companies. So they don't have a, a clothing company themselves per se, but they license all these patterns out to a lot of other companies. And, uh, and I was with Under Armour at the time and I was, I was happy with where I was at, um, with my relationship with them and and kind of what they were doing for me. Um, but I'm, I'm always going to entertain a conversation yeah, at least because you never know what will lead or what will come of it. And, you know, you never know who you meet or whatever. And um, so I, I thought, well, I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm, I'm real happy with where I'm at, but if you guys want to set up a call or something, we can, you know, we can do a call or something. And, and uh, so they said, well, yeah, let's set up a zoom call then and we'll get, you know, go get everybody brought on the phone and, and we'll talk about this and see what we want to do. And, and so they so when we, and this was through Instagram, through the, the individual reached reach out to me through Instagram and then end up calling me and we talked on the phone. And um, so then he got my email address and then sent me an email. Well, when the email was sent out, now I see their actual email, you know, you know, John at whatever, whatever.com. Well, it, it wasn't the, it wasn't the name of the camouflage company. It was a bigger umbrella company that ah. owns other companies. And when I saw that name, I recognized that name, and I'm like, oh wow, this is a bigger player than I thought. Like, so something you need to know about this company is not only do they design a lot of camouflage patterns, but they also make a lot of clothing for a lot of companies. So they're kind of the middleman. So let's let's just say, for example, let's just say somebody like a scentlock. And I'm I'm not gonna say who they what clothing they do make, but let's just say somebody like a scentlock decides they want to come up with a clothing line. They would go to this person and say, or this company, and say, "Hey, we want to start our own clothing line. Can you help us do that?" And they'll say, "Yeah, we'll help you do that. Not only can we, not only can we design you a camouflage pattern that's exclusive to you, but we can also design your clothing for you as well and get the production of that all done." Um, and they make a lot of clothing in the industry, and and some some big names that that you might be shocked that come to find out, yeah, you thought these companies made their own clothing, they don't. So anyways, so, so I get this and now I see the email and I'm like, Oh, Oh, hell yeah." yeah. Like, so now the wheels are already turning. I'm like, well, and I, so I liked some of the patterns that they had, but some of the clothing that it was on, I didn't like the clothing because the clothing wasn't, you know, top tier clothing. And so I get this idea of why don't we just start a new brand? Like, why don't we look to create a Sitka or a Kuyu or a First Light and start a new brand and undercut their prices and offer it at a better price point? So this is already this is what I'm wanting to do. Whether or not they're on board with it or not, I don't know. But this is what I'm wanting to do now, you know. And I'm like, well, shoot, they they were talking to me. They you know they're asking me. So maybe I've got a little more cards in my deck. Maybe I got you know. And so I just presented the idea. I said, this is. I said, what do you guys think about this? And I presented it to them and, and they were talking about it and they liked it. And they said, okay, you know, so, so this is how it all started. All right. And so, so we, I had several meetings with them and went out to their conference and had a big conference room and, you know, talking with them, whatever. And so this is when the process all started. And I started posting stories like right away. As soon as they told me they wanted to do it, I'm like posting right away. Like I might as well start documenting it, right? Cause we're going to market <laughs> this stuff. And we're going to sell it later. So I just start documenting it right away and uh so and again there's there's i think there's just several things that that just took place that just didn't um so the the gentleman that i was dealing with most of the time i i believe he's a good dude he had some health issues i know i mean whenever you fly out of state and have to go see a doctor for a week it's kind of a big deal i don't know what was going on he he never told me um you know i told him hey i'm praying for you i don't know what's going on but i'll i'll be praying for you it's but something serious is going on if you've got to see a specialist, you know. So that that was kind of playing into this as well. But so I remember I remember leaving after they gave me the green light. I remember going home and, and driving home. And I'm calling my dad because, you know, that's who I share most of the stuff with. I'm like, Dad, like, they're going to let me do this. Like, I get to design my own clothing, my own camouflage pattern. Like, this is awesome. They're going to be footing the bill for this thing, you know. And, uh, and I'm like, shoot, I, I'd do it for free. Like, just to be able to yeah. wear the that I designed, that'd be so cool, you know. Well, and it's true. I mean, I I probably would have, well, maybe would have done it for free, but uh, the more (laughs) more I got to thinking though, because, because I, uh, I got taken advantage of early on in my career in the waterfowl world because I just, I just enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Like I enjoy it. So I did a lot of stuff for free when I was a young entrepreneur starting in the outdoor industry. I did a lot of stuff for free and uh, eventually that gets old and it, you start to realize people are taking advantage of a young kid who just enjoys what he's doing. Um, so, so I end up having to think, okay, what I got to be compensated something for this. Like I'm going to be designing, like I'm going to spend a lot of time and a lot of hours away from my family designing this stuff. Like I should be compensated something, you know? And so the number was mentioned about 10%, you know, like of gross sales, like 10% is what, you know, maybe what I would get. And, uh, so in the meantime, I'm st- like, once I had the green light, I'm just designing like, and they, they sent me home with a whole, cause they had every clothing line you can imagine.
1: Cool.
2: And so like, they just opened up the closet to me and said, you just pick whatever you want, take it home and start designing. So I just, I started picking up, you know, all the name brand stuff. You guys know, and uh, I'm picking every pant that they've got and every pant that this company's got and every jacket, this, you know, and I'm just, and I've got this stuff just scattered everywhere. And so I'm trying all of it on and I'm, you know, stretching the arms and, you know, shooting a bow and seeing how this one fits and, you know, where pockets are. And, and so I'm making notes off of all of these different jackets, off of all of these different pants. And basically what I was doing was, was taking all of the information off of all of these pants and, and trying to build the best one pant that I've, that I could come up with or the best one jacket. And, uh, because the original deal was we're going to start with one jacket and one pant. That was the original agreement. And if that does well, then we would extend the line and start to make more. And uh, so so I'm just sitting here just designing. I mean, I'm in design mode, like just loving the crap out of this. And I get to a point to where I need, basically, there are these things. They're called tech packs is what they're called. Um, they're basically just blueprints for the clothing. Um, so I know... I know how to design it from a visual perspective, but I don't know what size of needle this particular stitch needs, or I don't even know what kind of stitching this kind of stitching is. There's all kinds of different stitching. There's different sizes of needles that you use for different fabrics. Like, dude, I still don't, I still don't even know half of what's out. there. I don't even know a fourth of what's out there. So, so I reached a point to where I knew what I wanted the jacket to be, but now I need somebody to design this tech pack to then give to the factory and say, this is exactly what we need to make. And this is the exact needles that need to be used. This is the exact fabric that needs to be used. This is the stick, like extremely in depth. So I reached this point to where I've got the design done. I just need somebody to make this. Well, so I reached back out to the, the company that I've been working with and said, hey, you know, you know, and I'm getting the voicemail. And so I'm leaving a voice message. and I'm, And this goes on for, I don't know, this went on for probably a month of just I was at a standstill like and I'm not I don't idle very good. I don't set on idle very good. Like I'm a pretty high strung individual and like I just can't sit around, just thumb my nuts and do nothing. And so I I read and I don't want at the same token they've got. I mean, they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars like this little project is just a stupid little side project for them. You know, this is a little redheaded stepchild. They don't give two shits about this thing. Yeah. And so they've got bigger fish to fry, you know, and they had just doubled their business with a couple other companies that they were working with. Um, and so, so I knew, I knew kind of where I fell on the totem pole and I knew kind of where this project fell on the totem pole, but at the same token, this project to me was a big deal. Like, this is my baby. Like they, they gave me a hundred percent rain. Like we're going to give you a hundred percent control and let you do everything basically. And I think part of us, cause they didn't have time to do it, you know? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Like I was waking up in the middle. I mean, literally I'd wake up at two o'clock in the morning and just. I'd have a new idea. I'm like, Oh, I got to jot this down before I forget it. You know? So I'd go out to the computer and I just start, you know, jotting down ideas of a new, f- whatever. And, uh, so I reach a point to where I'm, I've got the stuff that I need. And, and not only that, but they had a guy on staff that would design camouflage patterns. <clears throat> well, I'm like, well, I guess I could start just trying to design a camouflage pattern. I, I mean, I've got Adobe Photoshop and it's an old version that I pirated when I was back in college, you know? And, <laughs> well, I can, I can just try my luck at this, you know? So I start designing and, you know, and put a lot of hours into that stupid computer. Cause again, I'm just waiting to get hear back from them. Still haven't heard anything back from them as far as getting a tech pack done or whatever, <clears throat> or even getting the, lined up with the camouflage guy who designs the camouflage pattern. So I'm like, well, I'll just start designing it myself. <clears throat> so then I start designing. And then I started designing the logo as well. Um, and then I'm, you know, I sent him a text message with the logo and he's like, yeah, I, it's, yeah, well, let's change this or let's, and so now, now I start realizing, man, I, that's right. I'm not going to have a hundred percent say like, even though they're giving me quote unquote, a hundred percent reign of this, they're the ones footing the bill and they're going to have some say. So when it comes to it, like, and if they don't like the logo I made, they're going to change it. And so, so now I'm starting to not enjoy this as much, at least from the standpoint of of not having a hundred percent say in the matter. Um, and the fact that they're not getting back with me. And my fear with all of this was uh, sure in the world, I'm going to do all this work. I'm going to spend all this time away from my family. Uh, Cause I'm, you know, I've got a full-time job as well. So I'm just going to spend all my time away from my family plugging into this thing. And right now they don't, they don't give two shits about it, but when it starts making money, then they're going to say, Oh, by the way, give us that baby back. We want the baby now. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, so it just, and it, I don't know if they would have done that or not. You know, I can't say whether they would have done that, or, but at the same token, I kept wanting a contract written and a contract never was getting written. Um, and so I felt uncomfortable about that. And so I reached a point where I already had a camouflage pattern designed that I really liked. And I'm like, man, what if they say they don't like it? Like I've got, I had 100, 147 hours into designing this camouflage pattern and I'm like, what if I show them and they like, yeah, we don't like it. Like, ah, uh, like, and I, and I already showed it to my Instagram people and it was, it was like 77% of the people like really liked it. And I'm like, but this is a winner. I think this is a winner. You know, like I remember that. So yeah. So I'm pulling everybody this whole time. I'm pulling, do running polls and asking what people want and whatever, you know? So, so I'm just sitting there. I'm at, a point where I needed a tech pack done. And this is the honest to God truth. I uh, I was talking to the wife and, and I said, man, I wish there was a way I could do this myself. Like, I mean, we've got, we were at a point where we had some, we had a decent amount of money in the bank. We were looking at buying land is what we were going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, I don't know if I if get too preachy on you, just let me know. But uh, that night I went to bed. I'm like, and I prayed and I said, God, I said, I don't, I don't know if there's a way I can do this by myself or not. I said, but if there is, can you just please show me? Because I, re- I think I'd like to do this myself. Because um, there were other things, too, that they didn't want to do in, in some of our conversations. Like, they they didn't really ever want to come out with any solid colors. Um, and I think solid colors are kind of catching on more and more. Um, they they never they didn't want to do any base layers. They just wanted to do the outer garments. They didn't want to do any additional gear. They, they talked about maybe doing a backpack, maybe. Um, but that was about it. And I'm like, man, I I want to do everything. Like, if I do this, I want to do everything. I want to offer base layers. I want to do merino wool. I want to, you know, you name it. I want to literally do everything. Um, So, those were other things that were in the conversations that I'm like, man, but if they're footing the bill, you know, I don't have a lot of say in the matter. So, long story short, um, that was a Friday night. I, I prayed that night and said, God, if there's a way that I can do this myself, you know, please show me. And, dude, I, I shit you not. I wake up Saturday morning. And, of course, I've been doing all these polls on Instagram. I get a message from some random guy by the name of Jeff. Jeff, you know who you are, buddy. He said, hey, man, I've been doing this for 30 years. He's been in the clothing industry for 30 plus years. He said, if you need any help, give me a call. And I thought, what the hell? Like asking you shall receive, you know, like God is this like this is crazy. And it still gives me goosebumps just thinking about that day. And uh, I have to remind myself back to that day, whenever I have some rough days here in the office, I'm like, OK, no, I got to I got to trust the process because it's been a long process. Yeah. And uh, so I just keep coming back like, God, I really think you want me to do this. So I'm just going to keep trudging away and, and keep draining the old bank account down and, and <laughs> writing on faith, baby. So, uh, yeah, so I reached out to him. <laughs> long story short, this was a gentleman who was in a very similar position as the company that I'd been working with. Um, and he'd been following my Instagram stuff. I don't know for, I don't know for a couple of years or something. And he's just a good dude. I, I don't know if we've talked. I think he's a Christian man as well. Um, he just wants to see me succeed. Like, I think he just likes the content that I've produced and, and he's just another, just a good guy. And he's like, I just want to see you succeed. And I'm like, holy cow, like you're not going to charge me or anything, you know, like he's just going to give me the information for free. Wow. And I'm like, well, this is amazing. you know. Like this, this, and this is where I'm saying things like this just don't happen to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's times where I do believe in coincidences, but then there's times where, man, I just think the man upstairs is, he's just kind of, yeah, he's, he's kind of taking you where he wants to take you. And uh, you just grab on and you're just along for the ride and you just thank God he's amazing and takes you where he takes you. Um, and so that's that's where it all started. And so now I'm, I'm doing it on my own, um, footing it out of my own pocket. And like I said, we are, we are depleting the old bank account. Oh yeah. Um, we're, we're all in. I, I, uh, <laughs> we're all in. That's all I can tell you. So I've, uh, I've got uh, somewhere here on my paper. I was just every, Oh, every couple of weeks I'm looking at finances and I'm like, okay, what trade show can I go to? And what trade show can I not go to? Cause right now I'm in the midst of booking trade shows and, so I've, I've already booked, um, I've booked two and no, I've booked three trade shows. Um, but, uh, I'm looking at my funds and I've got, so I paid 50% deposit. So I've, I've already placed bulk orders. Um, and they're being worked on right now as we speak and they should be here. I'm going to look at my calendar. Um, they should be here. Lord willing here in two to three weeks, they should be in my hands. Um, before the Iowa deer classic, at least that's what they're telling me. Um, but, uh, so when that, when they're officially complete though, then I've got to pay the remainder 50%. And when that happens, the old, the old accounts going to be pretty low. I'll just, I'll just say it's low. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I've already looked at, uh, I'm like, well, honey, if it, if it gets real bad, we can always dip into our retirement. <laughs> so like, that's, that's where we're at. Like, I mean, we're, we're depleting the funds. Um, so there's been a lot of money going into this puppy for sure. Um, well, and I'll, I'll give you one number, um, I'm comfortable with telling you that, I guess. So before I ever placed my first bulk order, I didn't, and I, Lord knows, I didn't know it was going to be this much. Um, I thought, Oh, we could, we could put 10,000 into this. And then before we place a bulk order, before I ever placed the bulk order, I had over $40,000 invested into this. Um, and that was just through the testing process that was trying to find a good factory to work with. That was, um, it was, a. Uh, a lot longer process than I thought it was gonna be. I thought I'd be selling clothes back in August and here we are, it's it's February and I still don't have a bulk order yet. You know, I did get I did get a shirt in and I got some gloves that came out to be the wrong color. They're supposed to be brown, they turned out to be green. Um, I think you bought a pair, I think, didn't you? I did, I took yeah. uh, I took them to Colorado with me. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, and, and dad came over and I'm like, dad, the gloves came in, you know, I hadn't even opened the box yet. And so of course he wants to come over and see him, you know, so he comes over and then I opened the box. I'm like, they're green. <laughs> like they were supposed to be brown. and so you're you're working with people oh, who's no. you know you're, it's a third world country and they speak broken English, which hell they speak you know better English than I speak of their language, you know, um, so I can't can't really complain too much, but but there is a there is a, a language barrier there, and in the midst of translation, green turned into brown to the green and and so but Dad's like you know I kind of like him, he's like i I'd, I'd still you know, sell, them, maybe sell them discounted or something. I'm like, but I know I love they're the, not. The, I like the color. I've, I would have yeah. never known they were supposed to be brown. See, and and now I know that. And it's like, I guess I, well, you got a still have a deal. You got them for what? Yeah. 35 bucks, I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think originally we're going to, we're probably going to sell those for 49, I think. 49 or 59. I'm going to have to go back and look my deal. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't make much money on those gloves. Just FYI. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but I, like I said, it was internally i knew they were supposed to be brown and so it wasn't the product that i wanted it to be and so i'm like yeah so um so yeah we've we had some we had a couple mishaps like that there was a couple i worked i started with a factory in china um you know long story short i've got about three thousand dollars of brand new camouflage clothing set in the factory in china that we'll never do business with um you you run into some you Know and I, I can't say that I ever ran into a nightmare situation, um, but definitely just some either factories or individuals who say they have factories and don't have factories, um, and you wire the money and then you find out that they don't, and you know, situations like that that you just didn't plan on. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's a lot of risk, but you can't have a reward without a big risk. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Here we are now, and finally found some good factories to work with, and uh. The long process was getting the camouflage colors correct. We finally got that sorted out and now we've got bulk orders and oh, please, Lord, please let it sell because <laughs> <laughs> well, the wife won't be happy if this doesn't. Well, I can't say she won't be happy. She'll still be supportive, but uh, be good. Flipping, I'll be flipping burgers or, or take up a special offering at church or something because the bank account's pretty low. <laughs> when are plans for like uh,
0: direct to consumer, you know, not bulk orders going to be happening?
2: Yeah. So, so um, yeah, if you've been following the Instagram, so I'm still going to offer it to my Instagram people first, um, you know, probably Venmo and PayPal and it, it'll have, so I say first, if I get it in right before the Iowa deer classic, I'm obviously going to take it to the Iowa deer classic um, and try to sell whatever I can there at the Iowa deer classic. Um, but as soon as I get back from that, then it's going to be all hand. I'll probably, I probably will um, sell it to my Instagram people first and just say, Hey, you guys, ball quarters are in. If you want some, first come, first serve, whatever, you know, let me know if you want some, whatever. And then I at least give them first option because, you know, you guys have been the ones that have kind of helped me build this. And, and not only that, but just been extremely supportive and positive. Um, and I've everybody's dude, my, that's one thing. There's, there's a lot of hatred out there on, on social media, but my Instagram people, dude, they are so solid. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I have little to no, negative people out there like there's a lot of haters but my instagram people i don't i i don't know if i have any <laughs> like i say that and then i'll get somebody to post something stupid you know tomorrow but uh yeah I, and again i'm just extremely humbled like there's just a lot of good people just a lot of good guys on instagram and, and girls too that have just been extremely supportive in the whole process of this and so part of that it's like i want to i want to give you guys first dibs like i want you guys to feel like you're also a part of this. Cause you've, you have been like, you've not only voted on this stuff and had input and whatever. So I'll, yeah. So long answer your question. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, you know, offer it to you guys first on Instagram. And then, uh, the plan right now is to try to launch it in July, um, launch the site in July. Of course, I've got to get a whole bunch of, you know, quality pictures of these things. Um, I've got to get a bunch of videos talking about each garment, whatever, you know, and, and we're still in the midst of building stuff. I don't know where my bino pack is. Um, I think it's in my mud room, but, um, you know, we're working on BinoPack right now. We've got just had the first prototype come in the other day. Um, I've got a pair of bibs. Um, they're laying over there on the floor. Still working on those, just iron out, you know, little details. Um we man, we've got a lot of crap coming. Like and, and I'm and I'm not even close to stopping. Like Oh dude, you don't even know. You don't even know. Like, <laughs> I am I am all in. like and the wife's like, Shouldn't you wait to see if the first stuff sells first? You know? <laughs> and I'm like <clears throat> but I just enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Like I just, I genuinely enjoy this. So it's like, well, hell I got some free time. What else am I going to do? Might as well start, might as well design the next piece, you know? So I've just been designing and um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess worst case scenario, it doesn't sell and I have to close the business down, but man, I sure hope have a hell of a lot of fun, you know, like again, at the, again, at the end of the day, do what you love to do. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like that's life. Like that's, it's the pursuit of happiness. That's the American dream. Like I'm doing what I love to do. I could give, I don't give two craps about what anybody else thinks. I don't, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm gonna have to pay the bills if it doesn't, you know, if, if the company tanks, and I don't sell anything, you know, I mean, yeah, I'll have to go back and work at Burger King or do something, you know, but, uh, hell in the meantime, God's given me enough money to, to take care of the family in the meantime and, and take care of these bull quarters. And so I'm just designing, dude, I'm cranking away. I've got, uh, I can't even tell you. I can't tell you. I can't tell you what I've got in the works. I'm there's a lot of stuff that and there's gonna be a lot of stuff that's not released this year that I'm already working for for next year. I've got the well, I'll tell you this, I've got the next I've got the next six camouflage patterns already designed. My man. Dang, We're dude. excited
0: to see it, dude. I'm stoked. So oh, yeah. the call to action for listeners, if they want to be you know, be on the, on the up and up about what's going on and have first tips on what's going on and, and support you and your mission is to go follow,
2: uh, Go Gear Outdoors on Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Go Gear Outdoors is the Instagram and GoGearOutdoors.com will be the website. I've already bought the domain and I'm still in the midst Good. of building it together. Yeah. I'm not going to say that and then not have it bought, <laughs> but yeah, GoGearOutdoors.com is the website. Um, and like I said, we're planning on launching that here in, um, hopefully July, um, and then I'm going to have to figure out trade show season and, and obviously hunts cause I don't want to, I don't want to get so busy with this either that I can't hunt, you know, that that would kind of suck. Um, <laughs> but again, you gotta have priorities and keep those in check, you know, um, gotta do that product testing. So I'll uh, have to figure out a way to, I don't know if I'll, sh- I will want to shut the site down, but the first thing I'm going to outsource for sure is, is shipping. Um, you know, I'm going to try to get to some third party company that basically I'll get the I'll get all the inventory in all the bulk orders. Um, I'll do my quality check. You know, right now I'm I'm literally going through every package myself. Like I'm like, I don't want a single bad product going out. Yeah. Um, and so right now I'm I'm individually going through every package. Now, after these factories, you know, once I start to get confidence, it's like, OK, they're they're making bulk orders and they're all solid then I'll probably start opening packages at random. Like I'll pick, you know, a large and a meet, you know, I'll pick one of every size and then just open them, you know, and open a handful of packages. Like, okay, these are all good. And then mail them off to some shipping fulfillment center somewhere. um, And hopefully they'll handle my orders so I can be out hunting and people still have orders being filled, you know, is the goal. Um, But this first year, I don't know. I may, if I get an elk hunt or something in September, um, if I get money, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of depend on how, how well sales do, but, yep. um, yeah, if I have the opportunity to go on a hunt, um, I may have to shut the site down for, you know, a week and maybe just put some header, like, sorry, I'm product testing. <laughs> Orders are going to have to wait until I get back from hunting, you know? So hopefully it doesn't piss customers off too bad. Hopefully they understand, but
0: they'll get it. They'll get it, man. Well, that's exciting and oh, yeah. admirable. There's a lot of crossover with how this company started and every literally everything you just said. So it's good. I'm glad you're all in, man. Burn the ships. That's what Luke says all the time. Yeah, yep. burn the ships.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was. It's funny you guys say that. So uh, I don't know if you guys watch. So I've seen some stuff with Tony Robbins, and that's something he says: mm. burn, burn the boats. And yep. I thought about getting some shirts or something that says "burn the boats" because it's like, yeah, once you go to that island. Yep. You know, it's, it's real comfortable to get back on the boat and go back to where you, you know, where you came from and, yep. uh, but you burn them boats. You, you're going to have to make it work one way right. or another. You have to make it work. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm at.
0: <laughs> yeah. I love it. Dude. I love it. Well, appreciate you letting us be a part of that journey and documenting it so well. And well, we hope listeners check you out and support it from, uh, that side of things as well.
2: Well, yeah, thanks for the plug. I appreciate it. I'll take all I can get. Like I said, I need to, I need to sell people, people. I've got two little kids, a wife, (laughs) I need some money.
0: (laughs) As soon as one of them puffy jackets comes available, I'm, I'm in man. So we've got, we've got two puffy jackets that we're coming out with. I'm jealous. I just, I'm not a bulk order guy, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's, so those are the first two jackets. Um, so I'll tell you, since you've been following the Instagram, the original pant and jacket that we set out to create, we're not going to have those right away. Um, so the, we're trying to find the, the right fabric for those. And it's it's not always the easiest to find the right fabrics. Or if we do, we have to import it from another country. And sometimes that gets pricey. So, um, so we're not going to actually make the original pant and the original jacket that we set out. But we've got a whole lot of other stuff that's going to be just as good. Um, so two, like I said, two puffy jackets, one is one I'm, and I don't, I'm probably going way over time. Like I said, you're gonna turn this into two episodes. (laughs) I apologize. Okay. But, uh, so one is a dude, it's, it's, I can't, I I won't say nobody has it, but I haven't seen it if they have. Um, and I've, (laughs) I've looked at all the big, all the big players I've looked. Um, nobody's got this fabric that I've seen yet. And it is, it's a, the only downside of this fabric is it's not very water resistant. That's the only downside. But otherwise, we're looking, we're talking about a puffy jacket. So puffy jackets, they're noisy, they're, they're noisy, loud, um, and they're not very durable.
0: And yeah, they're fragile. Yeah. Let's-
2: yes. Like yeah, you, yeah, you tear them on a thorn and they rip. So there, again, there's no perfect fabric out there. So whenever you give something up, you know whenever you gain something you're usually giving something else up um another <laughs> um yeah another characteristic or whatever but uh so this jacket though it's quiet it's stretchy so it's it's good for a bow hunter moving those elbows and shoulders um and it's it's windproof so you got that but like i said quiet stretchy durable and windproof now, like i said the only downside is it's not very water resistant. Um, now that's when we've got, that's why we have a second puffy jacket that you're going to get the water resistance. It's a waterproof fabric, but because it's got stitching and we don't tape the seams, we can't call it waterproof. Um, so it's water resistant and it's going to be kind of more like your standard, standard puffy jacket, although it is a little more durable than your lightweight puffy jackets. Um, cause I still didn't want stuff to tear real easy. Um, cause there's a lot of people that don't know how to use the clothing that they have too. And so I thought, man, I don't want to, I don't want somebody to buy this puffy jacket and then it tears on them because they don't know how to use it or they're not using the right conditions. And then I get a bunch of bad feedback. Oh, this jacket tore on the first day out mother, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so even the second puffy jacket is a durable, is a durable fabric, but this one that I've got, um, it's dude, if you're a bow hunter, it's, it's money, it's absolute money. So um, I'm, I'm pumped about that one. That's, that's my bread and butter. Um, yeah, we've, dude, I, we've just, we've, we've got some, I, I can't, I don't want to, I can't, when is this episode going to air? I can maybe tell you more if I knew when this is going to air. We've got some good stuff coming though. Like, I'm, I'm just excited. I, that's all I can say. I'm, I'm excited. This, this is the first time that I'm even getting to talk about this really, you know, other than documenting the stuff. Um, you know, you guys have seen the documentation, whatever, but, uh, like, I've had, I've had guys come over and, you know, just local guys that I know real well and, and can trust they're not going to be taking pictures and sharing, you know, whatever. Like, I've yeah. had some guys come over and they're like, yeah, this is legit. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. <clears> That's awesome. Yeah, it'll probably come out in about two weeks.
0: But uh, okay. whenever you want to jump back on, we can chat about it some more when you're
2: at Liberty to Share. Right, right. When I'm broke and, and sales didn't go so well and I'm broke and need money, you guys put me back on again So I try to push yeah. some product. <laughs> we'll call Perry to get out his checkbook and it'll be all right. right. It'll be all some, I'll get my little six-year-old, my little one-year-old, and I'll put some dirt on their face, and I'll be out right. on the street somewhere and oh. put myself in a cardboard box and right. yeah, I try to get people to push some product for me.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm so going to be no, in the man, market I'm, for I'm a new puppy. Yeah, man. Yep. That sounds awesome.
0: That's way awesome. It's exciting, man. You keep you've you've mentioned the American dream, and this is part of it too. You know that entrepreneurial. I'm teaching yeah. about the Gilded Age right now in my AP US class in the late 1800s, and something's never changed, dude. And that's who makes progress, and that's who pushes the boundaries, and that's how you get better products. Yeah. And that's that's literally it, and that's yeah, admirable. So that's awesome.
2: Well, and and you know, like I said, I uh, man, if if you'd have told me as an eight year old that I would have done and seen and been to the places that i've been to and here i'm 38 like i'm not even i'm not even halfway done yet you know um like i just i would just want to encourage people dude. pursue your dreams like you might be shocked at what you might be able to accomplish if you just try
1: yeah
2: like it and 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 i say try and i i mean persistent like actually try try like you would be shocked at what you could actually do if you just actually tried. Um, and I'm, I'm a living Testament of that. Like I just tried and here we are. I, uh, dude, I'm, and again, I, I don't think that it's, you know, I, I can't say that the good Lord above hasn't had anything to do with it. Cause I'm sure he's you know definitely had his hand. Um, but man, if you, you know, like I said, don't get me preaching. I was a former pastor, but, uh, Dude, you just you just commit everything to him, and and he's not going to lead you astray. Like he's going to take you some crazy places that you just never thought you'd go.
0: Amen, dude. I love that. Well, Brett, I think that brings us to a pretty good uh, <clears throat> stopping point for this one, man. We're gonna have to do another one and and check in on you in a little bit.
2: Yeah, hopefully, I'm hopefully I'm at uh, you know or Yurisika level and I'm raking in the millions, you know. <laughs> uh, man, <laughs> I hope in so. the I hope you yeah, do. Man. I-
1: Oh, yeah. Hey, you guys will
2: will always be the first podcast that, you know, had me on with Goat Gear. That's right. So,
1: it's an honor, man. That's awesome. (laughs)
2: That means means when I am making the millions, I have to hook you guys up with some free gear then at that point, right? We'll we'll do some product (laughs) testing for
1: you. We'll we'll test some products, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've got plenty of product testers. I can tell you that, boy. I I can't tell you how many messages guys are hitting me up. Dude, hey, do you need any product testers? I'm like, well. Not really. No, I got not money. really. <laughs> <laughs> I bet people want free product, and I. It's like, well, yeah, I'd sell you some if you want. If you want to buy some samples, are, and that's the thing, samples are not. Samples are more expensive than the bulk orders. That's what. That's what sucks there, because um, oh, yeah. whenever they're making one of something, it costs a lot more than if they're making you know three hundred of something.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, samples are not cheap. So yeah, the, the, the product bad. development, the the R and D was a lot more expensive than I anticipated. Um, so yeah, like I said, it was, it was over 40,000 before we, before we placed the first ball quarter. (laughs) Yeah, man. Every dude who
0: lifts weights and also hunts always asking for, Hey, can I try out, you know, whatever this shirt or or can you send me some stuff? And like, God, I wish we could, you know, like, I wish we could just do it for everybody, you know, but then, uh, It's still a business at the end of the day, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yep.
0: But cool, man. Perry, what you got, dude?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a fun conversation tonight, Brett. I uh, really enjoyed it, man. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where goat gear goes. Just from the little bit I've seen, it's it's uh, I think it's going to be awesome. And to hear you talk about it with such passion, and like you said, you know, it's a great message for for folks out there. Just grab that that American dream by the horns and and uh, try and and. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot of um, there's a whole lot of valuable insight there, folks. So appreciate you coming on and and sharing your story with us. Brett.
2: Yeah, well, and thank you guys for having me on. Like I said, you guys give me the first platform as far as you know, podcast to to talk about goat gear and hopefully there's many more to come. Heck yeah, man. Well, um, Brett, where can folks uh, follow you on on
0: the social medias?
2: Yeah, so um, yeah, Instagram, Facebook. Um, those are probably the two big ones. I'm really, I'm really active on Instagram. Um, but yeah, you look up, you know, Backcountry backcountrybowhunter is uh, a handle on Instagram and then at goatgearoutdoors is the other one for Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, and you can find me on YouTube too. Just look up Backcountry backcountrybowhunter and you'd find my videos and whatever on there. Um, yeah, those are, those are the handles, I guess. So heck yeah. Listeners go check them
0: out. And uh, stand by for more goat gear info coming down the pipeline. Stay tuned and, yeah, get excited for it. So, listeners, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. We'll talk to you next week.